Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Our mission is to put our clients in the driver's seat of their own health through the power of plants as medicine, whether it's through our fresh meals or other products and educational content. We firmly believe having access to high quality food and nutrition is a fundamental human right. And through our advocacy and charitable work, we are addressing access to nutrition and nutrition education with the hopes of making a lasting impact. Today, we are sitting down with Ron Finley to discuss the incredible work he's doing to change the way people see food and create lasting change in his community. He's most widely known as the Gangsta Gardener and started a horticultural revolution where he transformed a barren parkway in front of his South Central LA home into an edible oasis. He's also the founder of the Ron Finley Project, an organization that turns what he calls food prisons into food forests in order to transform culture and communities one garden at a time. Please join us in welcoming Ron Finley. Ron, we're so excited to have you on the Sakara podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. The first question we like to start with is, what do you believe is your mission and purpose here on earth? Mine is to get to happy. I got a sign out here when you walk into the garden that says operate from happy. The other part of that is shit don't make you happy. Don't do it. So simple because it's, it's too hard for some people to be happy and everybody act like it's a given. So that's first. But I want to show people my mission is and and you you know you look back and look at things that you've done. And I guess my mission is just to show people another way of perception, another way of seeing, another way of thinking, another way of appreciating the the resources that are around us. And that's what I want the people to realize you can't eat no damn diamonds. You're in a, a situation where you, you don't have food, but people are craving silly stuff. And I, I want to change that and let people know that air is the single most important thing to your life, not just to your life, everything on this planet. Even water can't do without air. <laughs> it's called H2O. That's what the O stands for. A lot of people don't get it. So that's it's having people rethink what really we've been taught all our life as valuable. And we don't see ourselves as you know, we don't look at each other as having a value. And I want to change that because we do. We have an intrinsic value. I want people to realize we are nature. would love to hear about how did you get into this? What was the impetus for all of this? I guess it was kind of destined when people remind me, yeah, I remember, you know, back in the day, you used to have me, used to make these shakes and all this. And I don't remember none of that. 
I guess it was in me. But what really got me to the point of growing is the fact that there was no healthy food around. And I would always have to leave to get the community to get something. And you're on autopilot. It's just normal. Okay, it's over there. So you just go there and get it and you come back. And I'm like, whoa. And just years later, I'm like, whoa, why isn't it here? Let's ask that question. So if it's not here, I want everybody, if you don't have healthy food in your neighborhood, put it there. Be the catalyst to change that. And that's really what what sparked it and ugly sparked it. Just having ugly, (laughs) ugly neighborhoods where there was no tree canopies and there was no beauty and you didn't get to see like these amaryllis. Hold on. You got to see these amaryllis. (laughs) For everyone listening, he is walking into his garden right now. He's going to show us something. We're not sure what it is. Oh, the amaryllis. You don't get to to see these in the hood, you know? Wow. I wanted to change all of that. I wanted to be assaulted by beauty. Like now, I'm sure the hummingbirds and the butterflies are going to come visit. And it's like that we're a part of nature. I didn't want to go travel to nature. I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to have nature seduce me. And that's what I did. That's what we have to do. We have to manifest it. Manifest. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Zach Bush, but he was a guest on the podcast and he said something really interesting that just reminded me of what you said, which is somehow in the matrix and tool of language, we've defined ourselves outside of nature so that when you look up the definition of nature, (laughs) it's actually everything except humans and what humans create, which is so wild. Yeah. No, it's and it's by design. It's pretty sad. So how can we show children to have an appreciation for soil, a reverence for soil, that this amazing thing that that's underfoot? How do we have children to have a reverence for what we consider nature and the beauty of nature and, and how intrinsic everything is, but at the same time, how simple it is and that everything starts from a seed, everything, even us. Mm. We're not taught these kind of things in school. We're trained to be greedy bastards and, that, and to pledge our allegiance, but not to air, not to nature, not to humanity, to s- some ideology bullshit. And that has to change. But Bush, he's right. I mean, it is. It's, I tell kids, I said, you want to see nature? Take out your cell phone and turn on the camera and look at yourself. That's nature. You're looking at, look in the mirror. You want to see nature every day. Look in the mirror because we are nature. You know, we decompose the same way a leaf does. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I Danielle and I both just recently gave birth. My son is seven months old now. And did you do a water birth? Um, I did not. Danielle, I know <laughs> labored in in water. Yeah, I got too comfy in the water. My midwife was like, "Get out, or we're never having this baby." Are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on with. <laughs> and now. I'm taking him around and he loves nature. I mean, this morning we walked outside and he just squealed. He loves to go outside. And I try to point out just how amazing and magical this world really is. Like I tell him, planet Earth is the best. It's the best planet. It is just, (laughs) we're so lucky to live here. It's filled with magic all around us. We're walking from the house out to the car and my mom had a water sprinkler watering some of the fruit trees going and we walked by it and the sunlight coming through the water and the sprinkler created a rainbow. Yeah. And it's just like how 
amazing is that? That you just walk by and there's a rainbow right there for you. And the cottonwood trees are in bloom right now and they are shedding their little bits of cotton with seeds floating through the air. So you have just cotton floating by you in the air. And I don't know, just so many amazing, magical things if you stop to notice and take a look. Yeah, and I just, what you said made me think of two things. One, I remember this quote when I was pregnant with my first saying like, you can never have reverence for mothers and birth and the process of birth until we have reverence for mother earth and nature. And our relationship to the earth is in parallel and lockstep to our relationship with birth itself and the feminine. And then the other thing that Ron, what you said around reverence for nature is we expect our kids to care about what they put in their bodies and nutrition, but they don't even have a relationship to where it comes from. They think it just like comes from the cafeteria or comes from the grocery store or that packaged food. And it's really that relationship that matters. It's pretty bad. My birthing experience, I have three sons. They're grown as men now. But my last son was born in in water. And his seven-year-old brother, which is his oldest brother, he's the one that was in the tub with his mother. And so you got a seven-year-old saying, just keep pushing my seat ahead. And I'm like, who the hell are you? And where'd you come from? Because a few months earlier, he's telling his mom, take the baby out. I want to play, you know, like that. But now he's in the water and now he's just in turn to a doctor. And I'm like, whoa, and that just made me cry. So early on, a child gets to see that process, which I think they should. We have this screwed up society. Even women would tell me, that's disgusting. You let him see his mother like that. And it's like, wow. You think that the birth process is disgusting? It was beautiful. We have to show these kids the magic of all of this because it is. So just imagine if we had this this beauty, this this alchemy, this amazing things happening all around us all day, it would be our normal, but it's not. We would like, eh. <laughs> anyway, I have a friend. I used to make clothes years ago and I made this. And this guy is filthy rich in Hawaii. And I say, Miyaki, so how's Hawaii? He says, ugh, it's too many birds singing in the morning. The sky is too blue and the water is like, eh. And it's just too many rainbows, Ron. And I'm like, shut the hell up. <laughs> he's <laughs> Rory, he's being facetious. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's being facetious, but just imagine if this was our everyday. Yeah, I love what you're speaking to because whether it's birth or growing our food, we have this intrinsic capabilities. Like my daughter was at my birth and she was the exact same way. She just clicked in. She's two years old. She knew what to do. And I think one of the problems with especially modern agriculture is it's made us feel like we don't have that intrinsic skills to grow food. It feels so out there and like you have to go learn it. And, you know, you need to study horticulture, agriculture or whatever it is before you can go there. And even as somebody that grew up in nature, like the idea of growing my own food, it feels like a huge mountain to climb and that I don't have this kind of intrinsic capability just by being human. Well, it used to come through our families, right? And my grandparents um, grew their own food, mostly because they needed to. It's too expensive right. to buy food elsewhere. Right. And every single person in my family had to grow their own garden, you know, not because they wanted to be in nature, but because they needed to eat. 
And now my mom grows a garden and that's how I learn. And hopefully my son will get to learn to grow a garden. Hopefully I'll be able to keep that tradition alive in my family, but it's harder as we move into cities and urban lifestyle and our, our time moves from out in the world and out in nature onto computers and our technology. But I think that's why it's great what you're doing, Ron, with a community garden where each person doesn't individually have to grow their own necessarily. Maybe we can do this in community. What do you think? Well, it's real simple. I say if we grow together, we grow together. And that's what Mm -hmm. community is about. It's about growing together and taking care of one another and looking out for each other. We have been stripped of the that essence to grow our own food and to provide for ourselves. And that's the first when people ask me, why garden? What what does it mean to you? And I mean it means freedom to me. That's what it means to me. From this oppressive society that uh that I know what's going into my food because I put it there. I know what's in my soil. And I tell people why I don't necessarily grow food. I grow soil <laughs> because that's what your food eats. Your food eats the soil. And that, that's the change. So you need healthy, nutritious, sexy, vibrant soil to get healthy, nutritious, sexy, vibrant food. And that's where we start. So as I tell people, compost now, compost forever. That's what we do. There shouldn't be a waste stream, but there is because everything just, we need to mimic mother nature, biomimicry, where you, we mimic exactly what happens to in mother nature. We, mimic what happens in the forest. Nothing goes to waste. You know, a leaf falls for a reason in a particular season. It's by design. And we look at that leaf as, in the city as, as litter. Get it and throw it in the trash. You know, put it back where it came from. It's mulch. Then after it's mulch, it's compost and it feeds that plant. And then that circle happens. It's all, and if you look at it, everything's a circle. <laughs> you know, the way these things go. So it, it took me to a space where do we die when I started making compost? And I saw the this thing heat up to 150 degrees. I'm like, whoa, and it's steaming and you hear, and I thought this stuff was dead. You know, so how is it like 150 degrees? Energy never dies. So do we die? And you think, what are we? We're energy. People say alive. I'm like, no, you're energy. (laughs) So, I mean, once you see that, why aren't we teaching Qigong in school and getting these kids connected to this planet, that's that's what this is all about. We've been dumbed down. We've dumbed down their creativity and the science they're teaching. It's like, okay, where are they going to use that? Let's take this, the science of being a humanitarian, science of being human, period. Let's go there. I've heard you use the word ecolutionary. Can you talk about that? <laughs> well, it's a word I coined because I'm a revolutionary for ecology, for us, for this planet. So a evolutionary. I mean, I'm, I'm fighting for all of us. I'm fighting for this planet. And when people get to realize that the same air in Kosovo and <laughs> Sao Paulo is the same air we're breathing. There's no borders. Air don't set trip. Air don't care what religion you are, what sex you are. If you, he, they, dust, us, them. Air don't care. So it's like, and we need to get to that point. All the borders are set up by, we do them. Air don't do no borders. I think about that all the time. Let's talk about access to food. And I've read a quote from you that said, there's more killings by drive-throughs than drive-bys, which is so... (laughs) (laughs) Did I say that? Yeah. Can you you talk? Oh, they'll never let me lose that one. 
We'll let you loose, Ron. You can say whatever you want here. No, no, no. No, I mean, they'll never. No, I, I, I said it. Yes, I said it because it's real. Yeah. Criminal to do drive-bys, but it's not criminal for the drive-thrus to serve the food Amen. that they're serving. And they know what they're going to do it. There should be some kind of law passed that you can't feed people garbage. Yeah. You know, that you know is definitely destroying their health. And you know this and you constantly do it. It's almost like they're protected rather than penalized for it. Yeah, it needs to change. I I, <laughs> I don't know. I you know, I don't even remember how I put that together, but it was just like what you go through the drive throughs and you get this box and this bag of you don't know what the hell, you don't know where it came from. There's no labels on it, there's no nothing. We just trust that they're that they won't kill us and we're trusting the wrong people. And you wonder it's so perfect in certain neighborhoods that you wonder are the medical institutions in cahoots with the fast food companies because you know what this is going to cost. They are. At the end of the day, it's like everybody's just looking out for themselves and it breaks my heart because we have very much underestimated how important it is that our brothers and sisters are healthy, that I can't be healthy alone because my health depends on the health of those around me and my community and my planet. And I'm glad you said that, Danielle, because people believe that it's just what you eat makes you healthy. And it's like, no, it's your environment. It's everything around you. It's what you breathe. It's what you see. It's what you smell. It's what you encounter. And that affects your health. And we're not taught that. That's why, you know, I said beauty in, beauty out. It's like, that's what you're going to get out if you put it in. So Let's surround ourselves with beauty. Let's surround ourselves with creativity and nature and, and things that inspire you. Because I think we're all artists, all of us. I don't care if you're an accountant, you're still an artist. And you should be inspiring other people. That chain should be just a, a continuous circle that doesn't stop where we inspire each other to, to give a shit about this planet and each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And I love that you talk about soil so much because talk about not having a relationship to your food. People don't even understand why agriculture doesn't work and why current practices just are not going to... There's going to be a point and it's coming soon where we're going to have to radically change the way we think about our resources and food because soil is a limited resource. You don't think it's here already? Well, <laughs> I think it's, it's here for those of us that know. I think there's not going to be another choice soon. I don't, I don't know if we have another choice now. In your- well, what I, I guess what I mean is people won't be able to go to the grocery store unless we change. And now for a quick break. Today, I wanted to chat about our best-selling metabolism super powder, I'm sure you've heard of it since you are a Sakara Light here listening to the Sakara Life podcast. It's garnered quite the cult following, and that's because it really works. This is one of my favorite products. It was formulated with powerful plant ingredients that help regulate blood sugar, control cravings, and lower body fat. Some of the signals for a slowing metabolism are low energy, feeling bloated, like you maybe have slow digestion. Those are all signals that your metabolism is slowing down. 
So our Sakara Metabolism Super Powder helps to rev up your metabolism while supporting weight loss, mental clarity, and sustained energy. And it's easy and delicious to enjoy. It's made using high-quality cacao, so it's very chocolatey. I drink coffee, so for those of you that do, I highly suggest whipping it into your latte. But if you're a smoothie drinker, add it to a smoothie, or you can just add it to a chilled nut milk and enjoy. For a limited time, we're gifting you $15 off your first purchase of our best-selling metabolism super powder. Simply go to sakara.com forward slash MSP and at checkout, use the code podcast15. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com forward slash MSP and enter podcast15 at checkout for $15 off your first purchase. Okay, now back to our chat. How much of your daily diet are you getting from your gardens? I don't know. I snack in my garden. Mm-hmm. So I eat a lot. And But sometimes I will. I'll go out, say I get, I'll have some salmon or something and I'll go out and get some uh, Okinawan spinach that I have growing and some onions and things like that and put it in there. Right now we have a bunch of favas growing and all kinds of sugar cane. And yeah, I eat something every day. Definitely. I like to grow collard greens because they grow year round. They can handle the winter and they grow tall. I didn't realize how big they get. <laughs> oh, no, and they last. I mean, some people have collard, the collard tree that's 30 years old, stuff like that. You hear these stories. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to plant ours in a different place. We had to cut them down this spring because they were taking up too much sunshine from other everything else (laughs) yeah from everything else need to put them in a place where they don't do that but yeah they can grow year-round all the greens and because summer's coming up here pretty soon and the fruit trees we growing greens are amazing so amazing for the body as the car lights listeners you know what big fans we are of eating your greens so i highly recommend growing them too i think we have to ron what do you think growing plants and soil and food teaches people? It teaches people the connection to each other and to this planet. It taught me that we are soil. We're carbon. That's what we are. Well, what do we turn to when we uh, supposedly die? What do we go into? Just like anything else. I think we should be composted rather than embalmed and everything else. Put us back where we came from. And just like what happens to Bambi in the forest. That's why we, why we have this rich soil in the forest. No one's tilling it. No one's turning it over and killing the bacteria and the worms and the nematodes that's in the soil. What happens in the forest is it just keeps piling on, on top, on top, on top, and it keeps the decomposing. Them. You know, like my garden is not one of those well-manicured garden kind of things. I like to think of mine as, I tell people, be the forest. And like some people, oh, the garden is really unkept. And I'm like, do you go into the forest and say, oh, that's really unkept because of how things are growing? No, that's what I'm that's what I'm replicating. You know, I build soil and I a lot of times you might have a stack of just a pile of leaves. People think, oh, you just throw them in the trash. No, that stuff is breaking down. And under that pile of leaves, there's some serious sex and some serious life happening under there that that you want to happen. So, yeah, we have to look at this everything a whole different way than we have been trained to look at. It. And, and slowly it's happened. 
I have a master class and, and I mean, some of the things people write me about the class, I mean, it kind of makes me cry. Some of the things I can't lie, some of it is cry because you didn't know that you were going to have this kind of effect on people. That's something so, so, so simple that it totally changed their life forever. People, oh, I have a better relationship with my children. My son, the first thing he does in the morning is go out and see what's growing in the garden while he's still in his pajamas. And, and I mean, these are, this should be a part of our life. It shouldn't be special. And good food should not be just for the well healed. It should be for everybody. Everybody should be able to eat healthy. It's, it's no, there's no reason why you shouldn't. And that's why I, I want people to at least start growing your food and start doing it collectively with your neighbors because what you're doing is creating community and safety. How do we help more people have access to healthy food? I mean, what I found, the guys, is people don't appreciate free, most people, because unless it's an iPhone or Jordans or something, they get that for free. You know, a car is cool. But food or a garden that's, you know, that you do, because I used to do that. I used to put gardens in for free. And I realized that people didn't appreciate that. Because it's like, oh, what, you think little elves are going to come in the middle of the night and do the work for you? No, they're not. And, and that's the hardest part. I guess I wish I could sell you guys the hummingbirds. We have to change people's DNA. Just because you put a, soup, a, a healthy store there, just because you put a farmer's market there or, or a garden. So because you got to realize people's uh, palate has been changed by all of this imitation manufactured food. So you give them a tomato straight out the garden, they're going to spit it out. Whereas, but you got like you guys with your daughters or your kids, they're grown up to that. So they have a different kind of palate. And I think just like anything else, what you put in your body becomes you. And that's the hardest point. I mean, do we stop? No. But the hard, what I found is the hardest thing to do is to change people's DNA. And, and one is to change what people regard has value. We don't regard that as being valuable when I can just drive up to a window, when I can go to the corner store, when I, you know, it's not convenient. It's not convenient enough for people to be healthy. So yeah, we, it's the biggest thing we have to do is education. And that's the hardest part, Danielle. But you don't stop with it. I'm not going to sit here and act like, Oh, yeah. Rose colored glasses, because it's not. It's hard because you got to realize that we've been indoctrinated since birth of what to do and what to eat and what success is and and what this is and how you're supposed to. You're only supposed to do business like this. This is how business is done. And you're only you're not supposed to color outside the lines, all that kind of shit. And we got to change all that. It's like there is no line, just like there's no fucking box. They like think outside the box. Let's start with this. There ain't no box. How about that? <laughs> you know, let's just think we're killing these kids creativity, killing it because we put them in these rooms all day when had the garden. The school should be the garden, not the garden after school. There's too much to learn in this garden for us to have these kids corralled in these barred rooms all day learning stuff that they'll never use in their yeah, life. Yeah, it's so true. One of our core values here at Sakara is transformation. and it means lots of things to us and it includes transforming the lives of our clients. Also means constantly seeking out growth and having the growth mindset and seeing obstacles as opportunities. And what you're saying makes me think of that because it's a really 
particular choice for a company that serves lots of things, but one of which is food. Because we never set out to be somebody's, you know, lunch hour solution. We're not a a sweet green or a chopped or something like that. And that's because we're here to transform your life. And we believe that fundamentally that is the most important work to do. That easily people can make one-off decisions and say, I'm going to try and take care of myself or eat well today. But one time, yes, that's positive, but it doesn't a transformation make. And, and what you're speaking to is the reason it's hard from a physiological, biological perspective is because you're really changing what you're made up of. You're changing the organisms in your body, the bacteria in your gut, which are in charge of you know your taste receptors and your olfactory receptors and connected to your central nervous system and your brain. And we're talking about how everything's connected, land, earth, sea, air, water. Everything is connected in your body too. And every decision that you make will impact the next decision that you make. And so therefore, setting out to transform your life rather than just change what you do at lunchtime is a really particular and important choice for us. We're trying to make it cool to eat healthy and care about nature. You got to make it sexy, wouldn't you? That's yeah. what we always say too. <laughs> I love that. We do. We, we, have, we try to make lots of things sexy, like fiber. Trying to make fiber sexy. Danielle just did a podcast with Dr. B and it was all about making fiber sexy. Right. Oh, yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, we but, have uh, to. People are like, how do you change this? And I'm like, okay, how, how did they make the Marlboro Man? How did they make diamonds sexy? How did they make McDonald's 20,000 trillion sold? How did they do this? Okay, so take their marketing and put your product in front of it. That's what we do. And people are like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, it does. We know that what they does work, okay, to the 100th power. So take the box that their marketing is and change the product. And people like scratch their head when I say that. And it's like, no, they've made that sexy. That's what we have to do to this. How do we make soil sexy as hell? How do we make growing your own food? And I'm working on it. And it seems to be happening by the correspondence I get from around the world. <laughs> it's like, I never thought that this possibly, who thinks this? Oh, yeah, some random black guy in South Central Park plants some carrots on the street. Now you got people growing food or got kids in India, in India, growing food, calling themselves gangster gardeners, sending pictures. And like that, you can't write that. You can't. <laughs> So no, that's what we have to do. We have to give them, and they understand my whole terminology in gangster. It's not a negative. It's a positive. We flip that. Let's get gangster with Mother Nature. You know, let's get gangster with humanity. Let's get gangster with growing food. You know, that's what you should be gangster about. Not anything that's going to harm or or have you in confinement for the rest of your life or half of it or whatever. So yeah, it's on us. And we just have to, the couple of us that are, hear and can see we need to try to get other people to see that's that's what's going to change it this shit is not for the faint of heart either let me tell you that i mean because you you know you're going to get attacked from both sides and that you're not genuine that you're this and that you're and i I mean i i get attacked constantly to this day so the people just trying to bring you down but thank whoever's in charge that the numbers of people who are lifting you are so, so much higher than the other ones. (laughs) And what is your hope? Do you think that everyone needs to grow a garden? And if so, how do I get started? I don't do hope. Fuck hope. Okay? Let's do opportunity. And I'll, I'll say, I'll take a cup of opportunity over a boatload of hope every day. 
because you go to the bank and say, hey, dude, I got this bag of hope. But guess what? If you got an opportunity, what you can change, let's give people the opportunity to change their life. Let's get, give people the, uh, a manual, the instructions, the inspiration to change their life. That's the opportunity. So, no, I, I don't really hope, you know, I hope I wake up in the morning, you know, <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> I think there's too much hope selling around. Let's give people opportunity. And that's what this garden is about. This garden is about giving people opportunity to see another way to think, another way to be, another way to live, and another way to engage in this beautiful place, like you said, Whitney called planet Earth, that we all live on. You heal your mother, you heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this is a great time to go into light work. So we would love for you to give our Sakara Light listeners some light work to do, something that they could put into action after our conversation today. What light work would you like to give to our listeners? The first thing in my light work was to realize there's no trash. And I think if we all just did a little composting, that could change a lot of everything from the carbon in the air to building more soil. And especially if you do it collectively, just start a pile, build soil. And we got to think that we're on this planet together and we, we are a part of it. It's not the planet and then us. No, we're a part of this planet. And I think if we start seeing it like that, and I think if we start training our, our especially our children to appreciate this amazing place we live, I think we would see things totally different. And that's what I want people to do. I want you to take those glasses off that they put on you in elementary school and change them out so you can see the light you and other people can experience the light in you. That's the work I want people to do, you know? Yes, I love that. Inspire others so they can inspire others and then they inspire others. And if that happens, we will change this world. Mm -hmm. I like that, that what we think is trash, banana peels and apple core is actually nutrients for our soil. And it's part of this ecosystem, as long as we put it back into that cycle. Yeah, that it actually does positive things in that cycle. And then it does really negative things in a plastic bag in a landfill. (laughs) It's not even like we're net neutral. We're net positive if we compost. I think we have to. We got people turning around, but it's also, you know, here in Cali, we see all these people in electric cars, but we don't realize what's happening in the other parts of, you know, the country or the world. It's not happening like that. We are a very, 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 very small percentage of the awakening. And we need to get more people on our side and to see it. And I think to pull the shroud off of their eyes and say, look, behold, and that's the work I like when somebody told me, I've been doing this since I was a teenager and I never thought that there was another way to do it. And just listening to you, you showed me that there is another way. And, and thank you. Or people tell you, you saved my life just by listening. And the, the, the interesting thing is sometimes I didn't even say what they told me I said, but that's what they heard. So I love that. We all have that power and we all need to use it to make everybody else's lives better. Come on, there shouldn't be people, babies dying in the street, and especially in our country. Great. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Sakara Life podcast today. We appreciate the work that you're doing to help more people get back in touch with nature and get access to healthy food right in their neighborhoods. And 
reestablish that connection. So yeah, thank you for everything you're doing. We've loved chatting with you today. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the work that you do. And Thank you, Sakara. Well, here's to making and growing your own food sexy. We're, uh, we're on that train yes. with you. Here, here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it being here. This was fun. And thank you for inviting me. Do this again. I love what Ron was saying about composting, that his light work was to challenge us all to get composting. If you live in an area, if you have a backyard where you can start your own compost pile or buy one of those composter bins, that's a great way to get going. And then your trash, your food trash can turn into amazing soil that can be used in your yard and in your own garden that you grow. But if not, I know in New York City, there are different composting programs. Danielle, which one do you use? Well, there's commercial composting and then there's food composting. So if you're just composting food scraps, you can do that yourself. You can just like literally put it in a container in your kitchen, like an airtight container. And then if you're not like Ron and don't have a garden in your backyard or parking lot, you can bring it to the farmer's market. A lot of times at farmer's markets, they'll have composting stations that will collect food scraps from you. Food scraps alone contribute to greenhouse gas emissions a lot. So I think it's up to 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions can be associated with our food scraps. So, you know, you think about like the carrot tops that you cut off or the potato peels that you peel, all those are going into plastic bags and then going into landfills. And if we could take the just the food alone out of our garbage, that would meaningfully reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, so important. And one thing I was telling you before was that, yeah, in my building in New York, a lot of times you can actually just go to like the .gov for your your city and state Mm -hmm. and find out what composting options you have. So in my building in New York, we decided it's a small building. There's only like six units. So we all decided to get together and pay extra to have the city come and pick up compost. So we have a composting bin in the basement and you put all your food scraps in there and then the city comes by. I think it's once a week and picks it up from our building. I think going to the .gov website and checking out where our compost pickup locations, drop-off locations in your neighborhood or what what are the different composting services available to you is a great way to get composting. If you don't have a, a yard and a garden to feed with your compost, then other people do and that compost can go to good use. Food waste is definitely something that we care about and something that should be talked about. About 1.3 billion tons of food is wasted globally per year. About 80 billion tons just in America alone. So at Saqqara, the way that we run things, we have less than 1% food waste. And we do our best to donate any leftover meals that we might have, divert any unused whole food produce, and then any of those food scraps like Danielle was talking about, potato peels and whatnot, then do get composted. We actually choose to pay extra, just like what Danielle was saying that she does personally at home. We do that as a company. We chose to pay extra to compost rather than to put it into the landfill. But 
each of those decisions make an impact and we all have to do our part to take care of this amazing planet called Earth because it's the only home we have. If you have a Saqqara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at saqqarastories at saqqaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at saqqaralife.com or send us a DM at Life. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Saqqara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Mm-hmm.